0: you know when god speaks i mean everything changes and let me tell you something it changed in job's life good morning good afternoon good evening my name is rod hembrick and i'm Janice. and this is bible discovery tv thank you for joining us today spend some time with us we're going to study the world's best-selling book it's the bible the 66 books written by the 40 authors over 1500 years Now, I'm going to teach on this in a moment. Job 38, it is interesting in about five minutes, but first, Corey and Ryan. Corey?
1: I'm going to be taking a look at some ancient mining practices uh, to help us learn something about Job and his friends. Ryan?
2: Today, I'm looking at Job chapter 40 as I attempt to identify the monumental monster called behemoth in the Hebrew.
0: It's a, that's a great one. And uh, look, look forward to them in about 20 minutes. They're coming up. Janice?
3: A question for each one of us personally. Is God enough?
0: All right. Take your Bible guide. Let's open up and let's learn what he says to us.
3: Job 38, 1 through 11. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it, and set bars and doors. When I said, This far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. Job chapter 38, verses 1 through 11.
0: Job chapter 37, 38, and 39, we're coming up on the end of Job. I'll tell you, there's one more day. There's today and one more day. But today we're in the words of God. Why doesn't God show himself on the mighty nightly news? As a pastor, that was the common question I heard from many rebellious and angry people. At first, I was truly perplexed by the question. I tried to come up with an intelligent answer. It didn't work. And then the Lord spoke to me in my spirit. And I learned that even if he was spoke in a full blast transmission to everyone in the world everywhere, there would still be many who would not listen and would reject him. There are some people who just, they hate the light. Besides that, the Lord already did publicly showcase the greatest event the world will ever see, the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. God not only speaks through words, but he speaks through events too. The event of Job's suffering was on public display. A display God actually teaches us theology to consider all the false theology and help in a culture by his friends who are also involved in misunderstanding God. It's very important to understand that. And Job is a book that explains this and has explained this as we've looked at it. It becomes important to remember that Job is being tested all the time that he's going through this. He's being tested, but his friends are constantly telling him things. We need to consider that. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. And this is a fascinating passage, a great passage. And I would suggest that if you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us and we'll send you one. Also, you could go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible Guide page. It'll take you to a donate button, donate whatever God tells you. And it'll take you to a place where you can download it exactly how we printed it. And so uh, you can join us. You're seconds away from joining us. But nevertheless, we need to pray and ask the Lord to teach us what he's saying today, because he is talking in more ways than one. And Father, I pray today as we look at Job chapter 38, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would understand that you are the God of everything, that you are the Lord who controls everything and invest in us as we give our lives to you. So help us, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, amen. It's very important when we read the Bible that we don't apply our attitudes to it, but that we listen and let it speak to our hearts. So that's what I would challenge you today. And that's what I would encourage all of us to do. Let's let the word of God speak to our hearts. Here's what it says in Job 38. Very first verse. First verse. Few words. But look at it. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. That's fascinating. When God speaks, everything changes. Storms, winds, fire, and stillness are all things that the Lord can speak to us from. Storms, winds, fires, stillness, all things God can speak to us from them. Beloved, let me just say that this is something we need to hear because there are a lot of things happening in the world today, a lot of storms, There's political storms, there's social storms, there's economic storms. I mean, everything is happening. Yet, let's remember that from these places, God speaks to us. And what is the Lord saying? That's a good question, isn't it? We need to listen to the Lord and not just react to problems and throw words at them. Let's listen to what God is saying, because he's saying something. He's saying, I'm here. Don't reject me. Don't pull, hold me out, because many people are. Don't hear the Lord. Very important. Verses two and three. Here's what that says. This is in the Bible, Job 38. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Words without knowledge. Now prepare yourself like a man, Job, and I will question you, and you shall answer Me. (laughs) Wow. God speaks to Job and no one else. God focuses on Job. He's answering his prayer. We do not know how God works, but we know that he is God. I want to tell you something. If Job ever wondered where God was, when God starts speaking to him in chapter 38, he surely knows this is God talking. (laughs) And we don't know what the full manifestation was, what the full presence of God was, but we know he understood him perfectly. And when God comes to you, you know, we don't need to sit there and say, you know, is this God? Is this not? Let me tell you something. When God appears, you will know this is God. Very interesting. All right, let's read on because this gets fascinating now. Job 38, verse four, it says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Wow. Verse five, who determined the measurements? Surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it to what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and the thickness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set its bar doors? And when I said, this far you may come, but no further. And here your proud waves must stop. You see, God begins to question Job about the very foundations of the earth. Job is challenged to understand God's power and creativity from the beginning in all things. Now, let me explain something. I would think that if God is going to answer Job, he's going to answer his question. Job many times said, Lord, where are you? Answer me. I would say, I'm right here. That's not what God did. God said to them, from the storm, who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? That's how God speaks to Job. It is an amazing thing when we consider that God is all powerful. And when we think about who God is, and we understand when we pray who we're praying to, The one who knows the past, the one who knows the present, the one who knows the future. When we pray, we're praying to him. He says to us to pray. He wants to hear our hearts. That becomes very important. And so, beloved, we need to understand this is what Job is seeing. And when Job sees this, God beginning to question Job about the foundations of the earth, Job is challenged to understand God's power and creativity from the beginning, in all things. Listen to this: We must learn. God is speaking to us right now and right here at this time. Father, I pray today that we would hear you. So many people are turned, you know, they're involved with so many other things, but help us to hear you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. But a lie is when somebody tells you, "I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray, and you're going to be happy." You smell like this flower, you're gonna be happy. You take this drug, you're gonna be happy. You buy this car, you're gonna be happy. See, it all tells me I'm gonna be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
1: Today, you and I are going to be going pretty deep into ancient history. Again, obviously focusing in on the ancient Near East, the ancient Middle East uh, and biblical history. We're gonna be taking a look at ancient copper mining practices because we're gonna see how that practice changed over time but how it was developed surprisingly early in humanity's past. Take a look. From remaining holes that dot the copper-rich cliffs and valleys of modern Israel and Jordan, it's been known for generations that ancient people mined for copper. But just how old these mine shafts were was anyone's guess. Thanks to excavations in the last half of the 20th century, we now know quite a bit about the ancient copper mining process, and it was impressive. From the most ancient of times, three different types of mining for copper ore was employed. A copper pit minefield kept workers on the surface digging wide shallow pits at the base of hills. Here, they would find copper from eroded ore. Shaft and gallery mines used deep vertical shafts to find copper veins. Then galleries would be dug out in different directions. Once the copper was exhausted, the shaft would be deepened to a new level and more galleries made. Room and pillar mining dug horizontally into cliff sides. Beginning in natural caves, the miners would cut galleries in different directions following veins of copper. As they dug, they would leave pillars of rock to support the rooms. All three of these methods have been used from very ancient times, at least since the so-called Early Bronze Age. From then until well into the Roman period, the tools of the mining trade stayed the same. Chisels, hammers, baskets, and rope. However, an earlier and later type of copper smelting furnace has been identified. The earlier, more simplistic furnace was built in an area with good ventilation to stoke its fire. A simple bowl shape was dug in the ground and then crushed copper ore was fired and melted inside. The copper would sink to the bottom. Once cooled, the furnace was broken into and the mixture broken up to remove the copper from its slag. This copper has been tested to have been 97 to 99% pure. The slightly more complex method is more efficient, but yields less pure copper. The hole in the ground was lined with clay, and a clay tube allowed air to be pumped in with bellows. There was also a hole in the side of the furnace to allow melted slag to drain out. The copper itself was lifted out using an inserted rod. Then, the still warm furnace could be reused right away. When I think about technologies like this that are very ancient, it really just goes to show that humanity has always been tech savvy. We've always looked at the world around us and figured out how to utilize it to not only survive, but survive better than we had been, you know, weeks ago, months ago, years ago. That's why we're still here in many ways. God made us creative people. And so we we look at the world around us and we figure out how to use it. The problem is that this mastery of the things around us can really feed into our pride. And I think that's what we see in Job, in these last few chapters of Job, where God begins to speak. And these men have been have been pontificating about God. They think they have a mastery on the knowledge of God, even Job. And God steps in and he says, who, who darkens my presence with words without knowledge? And then, and firmly puts Job and his friends back in their places. Yes, they are images of God. Yes, they have knowledge that's higher than the animals, but they are not God. They're speaking of the creator of the universe, whom they will never fully understand. And they weren't, they, they weren't there at the beginning of creation. They don't know. Only God knows certain things. So, uh, you know, it, it, thinking about ancient technology and thinking about modern technology and the pride that, that that can develop in us. We we are better now. We we are more evolved now. We, we know things now. We will never uh, know uh, as much as God. It's just that's not a thing. Yes, we can be very creative and very prolific with the things that God has given us uh, to create with. But ultimately, we are creating with things that He created for us. There is an order of our authority, and we are firmly underneath God's authority, whether or not we recognize it. The difference between Job and his friends, I think, was the recognition of whose authority they were truly under.
0: I think also Job, uh, because when you when you look at God's response, mm-hmm. and because you know you expect Him, Job saying, "God, where are you? Where are you?" You know, you just I'm right here, Job. That's what you would think. God doesn't answer that way. He begins with eighty-six questions yeah. that talk about mm-hmm. the creation of the world,
1: firmly putting Job in his, place. in his place. You are a man. You are a created being. You are not. You are not me. Really ordering their relationship back in, back to a proper authority structure.
0: Because when our relationship with God come, becomes out of order, it creates chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about God needing to exalt his power. It's about us not killing ourselves yeah. by getting out of order. Let's
1: look at the world the way it really is, not the way that our pride can, or, or our pain mm-hmm. can, t- can kind of skew our vision, if you know what I'm trying to say.
0: Pride or pain. Yeah, that's, that's very good. And I, I suspect that we would do well to listen to that in today's world. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Corey. Ryan?
2: All right. Well, I know that we're reading Job 37 to 39 today, but what I want to do is actually jump ahead a chapter, the chapter 40, because here God refers to an incredible creature, which he calls behemoth. Now, while a lot of Bible commentators identify this creature as an elephant or a hippo, the description clearly doesn't fit either of those animals. Okay. So if behemoth wasn't an elephant or hippo, then what was it? Well, if it doesn't fit the description of a living creature, then maybe we ought to look to the fossil record. The awe-inspiring behemoth described in Job chapter 40 has left so many of us to wonder just what exactly this creature could be. The word behemoth is literally a plural form of a common Old Testament word meaning beast. Practically all translators and commentators have agreed that this word is an intensive or majestic plural, so that the meaning is something more like colossal beast. Though many have suggested that the behemoth is an elephant or hippopotamus, neither of these animals really fit the description, especially in regards to its tail. It's hard to imagine how the unassuming tail of an elephant or hippo could ever be compared to a cedar. But if the behemoth isn't an elephant or hippo, then what exactly is it? The reality is that there is no known living animal that adequately fits the description. And when we consider that roughly 150 to 200 species of plant, insect, bird, and mammal become extinct every 24 hours, it becomes apparent that the animals alive today represent only a small fraction of those living in Job's day. Interestingly, if we look to the fossil record, we do find some massive beasts worthy of such descriptions. We know them today as dinosaurs and of particular interest here is the sauropod type sporting massive bones easily comparable to bars of iron as well as enormous cedar-like tails this subgroup of the lizard hip dinosaur is a real possibility of course this conclusion absolutely flies in the face of conventional wisdom which separates dinosaurs and man by more than 65 million years nevertheless the bible teaches that man and dinosaur walked the earth together not so very long ago. Real world data such as the soft tissue and DNA found in dinosaur remains to the various depictions of these creatures in ancient artwork supports this godly wisdom. So based upon the description found in Job, the sauropod type of dinosaur really seems to fit the bill. If so, then this would mean that Job saw these incredible beasts alive. Now, of course, this conclusion fully contradicts evolutionary thinking, but it doesn't contradict the facts. As I mentioned in this segment, dinosaurs and man living side by side is consistent with what we're observing with dinosaur remains. For example, many dinosaur samples that have been recovered contain soft tissue and even DNA, and some dinosaur bones have even been carbon dated with positive results which means that these remains can only be thousands of years old, not millions. So the idea of dinosaurs and man living together is also consistent with the many ancient artifacts found worldwide, which bear stunningly detailed images of dinosaurs. Clearly, these ancient people saw these creatures alive, and this is absolutely consistent with what the Bible teaches. Because according to the Bible, dinosaurs as land animals were created on day six of creation, the same day as man. Now, if you want to watch this video again or check out more videos, then just go to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to remember that uh, this is part of history and even in history of the last 1000 AD we have stories of people encountering dragon-like creatures, or mm. are they, they're called dragons, but dinosaur-like creatures. Uh, dragon yeah. was invented in 1826, the name, uh, the or dinosaur. not the name, the dinosaur. Yeah. Dinosaur um, is a, new, new, a relatively new word. Yeah, yeah, the big lizard. Yeah, very good, very interesting. Jen?
3: Yes, so today, is God enough? Remember I opened off the program with that? Is God enough? Have you ever sat and thought about that? Is God sufficient? Is God enough for me? And it's really good to ponder that. And I think if we take a look at Job here today, and and uh, you, Corey, and your dad having a discussion earlier was really interesting for me to listen to, because it's kind of where I'm headed today as well, because Job, just as we do, he needed to be reminded of who and what the Lord God is in order to find God sufficient, in order to find God sufficient for anything that we will face. We can imagine in our minds, well, if this happened, then I would do this and that or the other, or, oh my goodness, what if I could never go through if, if this happens or that happens. And yet, as a believer, as a follower in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can depend upon God. Is God enough in our situations? And I think as our our relationship with God develops over time, that, that answer becomes easier for us. God's sufficiency. Is God enough in my situation? And Job needed to reckon with that thought. And God helped him to understand who Job was in God. Seeing the sufficiency of a God who created everything, who has the power of everything in his hand, in his very breath, in his very thoughts. And in that, we can find rest in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of things we can't explain. We can look to God's sufficiency in God being enough as long as we are in God's care as long as we are with God, and he promises to those who seek after him, who diligently seek him with all their heart, that he's got you. He's got you no matter what. And I look at the Psalms, which we're going to be getting into very shortly, but Psalm 31, listen to a Psalm of David. The first five verses, "'In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed.'" Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the mire which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. This is spoken in times of pain and in distress because we know about God's sufficiency the way Job did. And let's take that for what it is. Read through those questions that God put forth to Job and he's asking each one of us the same. Psalm 71 In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge. And it jumps down. Listen to these different verses. Verse five, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you, I have been upheld from birth. You who are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Jumping down. Um, Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. Down to 14. But I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only.
0: Your phone is a great thing, a smartphone. And let me tell you something, we have an application for you, Bible Discovery, and I want to encourage you to get it and use it. You can watch our program on it whenever you are. If you're at work and you have lunch and you wanna watch it, that's great, excellent. Go to Bible Discovery at the app store, go to Bible Discovery at your store where you buy all your things for your phone, and download it, it's free of charge. Today, let's pray, Lord, help me to align my heart with you I need to make my mind right with you, Lord, in Jesus' name.